Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to September 1st, 2022. It's not, it's not really September, is it? It's September. Summertime is over. It is back <laughs> to work, back to school, and back to conferences. <laughs> That's what I think, but we'll yeah. uh, we'll see how it goes. So going to do some housekeeping and uh, make sure everybody's on the same page. MSPinitiative.com. This and every other session that we've ever done since March of 2020. You can all remember that, even though you've tried to erase it from your mind, is on there under sessions and podcasts and video format. So feel free to listen while you drive. We'll be announcing some giveaways right between now and the end of the year. So stay tuned. It'll be loud and they'll be cool. So uh, don't uh, don't go too far. We have three, not one, not two, but three community block parties. One right around the corner in two weeks at DattoCon 2022 in Washington, D.C. So if you're going, if you're in the mid-Atlantic area or northeast and care to drive down or drive up or drive over, you can still come to the party. If you're coming to the conference, I'm going to be busting you over to this party at Nationals Park. That's right. We didn't rent out a bar. We didn't rent out, a, you know, a, you know, a venue across the street. We, we rented an entire baseball stadium. I'd say that's a first, at least for us. So that's why I'm wearing my Phillies gear, because, you know, even though we're doing this in D.C., I can't go can't go and break the, uh, you know, the the four for four sports bond here in Philadelphia. And then our second party is going to be on a boat. Everybody loves water, right? It's going to be around the Taylor Business Group Big Big Conference. So if we just go Big Big, I always uh, don't spell this right. Big Big. There we go. Google Big Big Taylor Business Group is going to pull up the conference information there. Here's another event happening in Fort Lauderdale on the beach at the Diplomat in Fort Lauderdale. This was the scene and uh, location of the last, very last Autotask Community Live back in 2017 before Autotask and Datto merged. So uh, we'll be doing a, uh, if you're going to the conference, then you're more than welcome to join us. We'll be doing a boat party, not block party, but close enough right here uh, on the night that opens up the conference. And we're, uh, we're excited to do that again, because, you know, we're recreating a little jam from the past. And then lastly, we'll be doing our closing event of the year, uh, block parties uh, wise, in Orlando, on International Drive at Icon Park, we're flying in the All American Rejects. That's right. You remember that band? It was on the radio. You know, it's going. And I bet you, if still sometimes do comes on the radio, especially you're listening to satellite radio like I do, bringing in the All American Rejects for a private concert at Icon Park. That's gonna that's gonna close out our year at the you know for uh, MSP Initiative and the Block Parties. But hold on, I still got more. There's more. We still have three. That's right. Not one, not two, but three more Channel Strong tours. That's when we get into a band tour bus and, you know, go into people's backyards and just ask you to come out and talk shop, hang out, learn a few things, grab a beer and, you know, enjoy the weather. Right. Because it's that time of year. So we have three more of these coming up. If you are at the end of September and almost the end of October and right at the tail end of November going into December, you see we have these last three weeks of Channel Strong Tour. So, you know, if you're an MSP, you're in one of these areas, register, come on out, go to channelstrongtour.com. We'd love to see you. We see some surprise guests, I think. But it's always a good time and always interesting to hear what people are doing. Now that all of that's <laughs> been announced and it's out there and everybody knows what's going on, 
why you know I'm wearing my Eagles gear. Sorry, my Phillies gear. It's also an Eagles Eagles country over here in the NFL seasons right around the corner. Like to welcome Frank onto today's show as our kind of guest speaker. And Frank is from a company called Nodeware, but I'm not going to take his uh, his podium. I'm going to talk to Frank and ask him a little bit about his journey through technology land first. We're going to learn a little bit about him, and then we'll see where we go. Okay. How well, are good. you, Frank? I'm good, George. Thanks very much, and thanks for uh, including me on the session today. I'm uh, excited to uh, to spout my wisdom, right? As you can tell by, you know, I think yours your head is a little bit more uh, uh, shaving head. Mine's just because, you know, I'm old. <laughs> I, I, true, true story. I had an afro, and then oh. like I went from afro to shaving my head. So wow, that's was, nobody recognized you. Who that is? Yeah, people are like, "Do I know who you are?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I think you do." But yeah, so I do definitely shave. But you know, it's a good style, man. I like it. I think it works yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, um, so my uh, my journey to here has been uh, a, you know kind of a long one, but but all around technology for the most part over the last. Yeah, close to 40 years uh, post post college. God, yeah, I am an old. It is September. I am old. I, I turn another year old this month. So, um, well, happy birthday. Yeah, a little early, but that's okay. Thank you. Um, so I, you know, I've I've worked in and around technology companies, and from you know working in um, oh, San Francisco with. Uh, well, consulting companies, and then I worked with Apple Computer back in the late '80s, early '90s, and then I was that must at, have been fun. Oh yeah, it was it was the it was the non-jobs years, so it was in between uh, Jobs's presence there, but uh, it was a good time until it wasn't, <laughs> and then and then they've had a quite a resurgence since then. Um, so I worked at Apple, then I worked a bunch of years at Intel. Um, in uh, it started in Santa Clara, and then moved up to here. I'm in Portland, Oregon now. And uh, been up here for 27 years, but uh, worked at Intel for about 18 years, did a couple of years at Cinex, um, and then um, been back uh, kind of working various companies around the, the industry the last six years um, with different consulting jobs and just kind of helping channel development, channel access, uh, learning, uh, helping, you know, startup companies as well as established companies get their Get their channel going right just from either partner recruitment or program development or you know uh hey we got this great product everybody should want it right well yes but you know and that but kind of can take months and years to uh to get established so um been been involved uh in a lot of different areas and and uh primarily hardware over the years but now uh, with uh, my logo here, you can see it. Um, Nodeware is the, is actually the product name. The company is IGI Cyber Labs, but that's just a formality. Nodeware really is the product, and we're a, um, it's a vulnerability management scanning. It's a continuous running, normal business hours. Uh, not have to schedule. Every asset on a network can be tracked, including agents or devices that are off network, websites, et cetera, et cetera. So. We can go into the background of that a little bit more, but uh, it's it's a it's a really strong MSP initiative. So we can I'd like to talk a little bit more about you know what we're doing and how we're how we're helping the MSP in general. But okay, so, quick, back, so, so, so now now that we understand how you got here, and by the way, you do a lot of stops along the way, but you know the technology industry is so big, right? I feel yeah. like they call it MSP land like the sandbox, right? It's like over here to the side, yeah. <laughs> and then you got the big guys, right? 
You ever watch that show on, on, on HBO, Silicon Valley, right? Where they, yeah, yeah. like, I, I just find it funny because most of that stuff probably does happen in the uh, day to day, right? You know, like, yeah. you know, so, but, um, so obviously, you know, Intel, you're at Apple for a bit, for a while, you're at Cinex. So you've seen a kind of large view of how this, this bubble gets sliced up. And, and so, why yeah. why nodeware right you could have gone you've gone to a lot of places what excited you about this company you know it was it was a good question in that um you know it was kind of an opportunity that was brought to me by by an actually another ex intel colleague and sort of you know said hey you should talk to these guys and so the the interesting piece of it is that um I mean, cybersecurity in general, right, is 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 a hot and interesting target, right? And you know, you can't go to a MSP show today without ninety percent plus of the vendors talking security, right, providing some some piece of the mix. So it's a very crowded field, obviously. Um, the nice thing about Nodeware is it is that it's a specific tool doing a specific thing very well, right? We're not sort of adding on, you know, extra tools, extra blades in the Swiss Army knife, right? It's very focused. Um, and the philosophy is is really about enabling an MSP to use it as its own entity within their within their cybersecurity stack. Um, but we're also focused on integrations and sort of you know enabling others that have those other tools sort of use our data, right? Because what, what we've gotten patented, patented actually, which is interesting, right, is the way that we scan the networks and the, the with the continuous piece of it, right? So we literally every minute this, the network is being scanned for assets. And so you can tell whether the one's online or not. Um, if a new one comes on that you're not aware of, you can alert. And every day, every asset is being scanned for its latest vulnerabilities. You don't have to schedule, you don't have to think about it. If you need to go check, you can go check and you have instant information and no data more than 24 hours old. So, so are you, would you categorize this as like a XDR or a a SOC seam solution, or like, do you fit one of these? No, we kind of su we supply really into 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 all of those pieces, okay. right? So, so a sim is kind of a backward looking. We we really kind of, for the most part, provide a proactive look at um, the risk of an environment, right? So if if you know a new vulnerability comes in at two o'clock in the afternoon, let's say, right, if Microsoft releases something or Adobe or Ubuntu, whoever, right? Somebody, Cisco. I mean, any, anybody can can you know produce a CVE or some other warning about something that's going on. Um, you know, the hackers have that information in 15 minutes. They're already trying to exploit it, right? So if you're waiting once a month, once a week to see if any of your devices have that that vulnerability, you know, you could could be out of luck, right? You could be hit before you even know it. So what our approach is is because we're scanning continuously. And we match, you know, we match all the data that's out there from all the knowledge bases and all the databases of, of, of the uh, vulnerabilities. We look at, you know, we match it up to a device. And so you can get an alert. If you get a new diverse device that's on the network that's affected by this um, new vulnerability found, you're going to get a notice within, you know, a couple hours to a, a maximum a day. So you can take advantage, you know, get, get ahead of the curve right before, uh, before you get attacked. So. Does, is this, does this require an agent? Is there a box that you plug in somewhere? No, so it's a it's a combination. So we have we have network sensors that can go onto the network and capture every IP address on the network, from cameras to VoIP phones to printers, servers, firewalls, etc. If it's got an IP address, we're going to find it and be able to fingerprint it 
and let you know, and scan it to know whether we see any vulnerabilities specifically on that individual device. Um, so that's for physically on the network, right? And then we have agents that can go onto PCs and Macs and um, some Linux endpoints. So any device that's re working remote, obviously that's a big deal, um, is also included in in the in the in the system. So you know, a, a company, an MSP that's managing an environment for for a client, whether they're twenty or two hundred or two thousand employees, every one of those two x to three x assets right per employee is typically what's out there when you add up everything on the network um, so all of those all of those are, are are collected and put into one platform for the MSP to, to look at and go quickly glance and see um, you know see what it, it you know where, where the where the risks are we score it from zero to 999 and you know the higher the better um, the higher the lower the higher the number is the lower the risk is um, so it's, so it's yeah so it's it's you know, again, we're, we're sensors, agents, and then also external. So if a customer, one of your clients has a, um, you know, an e-commerce site or just their outward-facing website that's connected in the back to a bunch of your other data, you want to make sure that that front edge is, you know, protected and not vulnerable at all as well. So that, that gets included into the mix. So with one panel of view, the MSP can see everything that's relative to their customer. So would you, there's companies out there that say they do penetration testing. Does this qualify as that too? No, this, this is kind of a, this is really a complement to penetration testing. And, and actually this product, the company IGI more broadly, which is IGI, um, the IGI broader company is, is involved in, um, in, the, in the penetration test, in the incident response, and in virtual CISO sort of team as a service when you don't, right? So we have technical resource. So this product, Nodeware, was developed out of them needing the, uh, an ongoing, if you call it a penetration test light, right? You're not, you're not doing the attack on a, on a, on a, on a system or on a, on a network, like a penetration test, right? You're trying to get into it, right? And figure out, you know, find out where the gaps are. Whereas the ongoing vulnerability scanning is, again, ongoing, right? It's kind of the, the, the lighter version, if you will, of a penetration test. So it's definitely a compliment. Uh, you know, you can do a hard penetration test once a quarter, or we have a, there's a service that you can get it sort of as an ongoing, uh, you know, kind of a monthly uh, test. Um, but that's at one point in time, right? There's things that happen in the meantime. So you kind of, the best approach is really to do both. Interesting. And so, so basically you're this, you know, a complimentary service on one part, but then ultimately this is also like, instead of putting your own, you know, kind of XDR type solution, right? In order to like monitor the network, this is going to do that for you. And it's also going to, you know, kind of give you alerts of vulnerabilities based on what they find. Yeah. There's I mean, an agent we, and a box that work in conjunction with each other. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean ultimately we are, we are, you know, an inventory tool, right? We're an inventory asset management tool to, to understand what you've got, right? Because you can't you can't expand your cybersecurity services unless you know exactly what you've got. So we we can help identify that. Um, we have a lot of MSPs that you know have been doing kind of haven't really gotten into the cyber space yet or cyber hygiene type of thing. And this is absolutely the perfect first step, right? When you know you can identify all the assets and, and fingerprint and sort of know where things are at. And if you're doing a new proposal, you know how many to, to base your proposal on, right? You don't want to be undercounting what you've got. Um, 
but you know, again, to 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 get um, the advice, and you know, you might find some customers or prospects that you know you see what they've got on their network. And you can run a free trial with the product. You could say, "Oh my God, I'm <laughs> I'm going to fire you before I even hired you." <laughs> they might say, "I don't want to mess with that environment because it's just too ugly." But at a minimum, you know, at, at a base level, though, they can get that identification of the network, get a clear view, um, you know, do their proper proposal, and start with this hygiene, right? Protecting, you know, identifying things that need to be done first, right? And what needs to be done second, prioritize the workflow or add S add additional SOWs on top of, you know, your, your, your MRR, MRR. So there's different ways to utilize a tool. And, and, you know, we've, there are other tools out there that we're finding uh, a lot of MSPs and other, you know, bigger enterprise accounts are, been using, you know, again, a Qualys or Tenable or, or, you know, some of these other products out there and they're so heavy on the network. And again, that was, that was really the design requirement when this was developed was, I don't want, we don't want to wait once a week, once a month at the middle of the night to run a scan that doesn't do anybody any good. I mean, it, it does in a certain way, but it's, it's, it's delayed information and, and short of the true, true, true uh, viewpoint of the whole network. So, um, yeah, so we're that's that's our goal, our focus. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we we've we've done a lot of uh, work and continuing to actually. We're going to have a um, announcement tomorrow with some of our integration work, but you know, we've already done and announced like with um, Grady and MSP, we're integrated into their synthesized platform. We're Security Studio, Threat Advice, and we've got some other plays uh, coming up that are. Pretty exciting and again because we're focused on what we do the msps will now have different options of how they use us right use us straight away or within other other tools that they can deliver interesting so i assume that this is designed for the msp world right so it's probably multi-tenanted i assume absolutely absolutely and how does the math work right is it per location per customer per device yeah so we 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 license to the msp in, in blocks of 50 assets so, you know, if you've got 10 customers and, you know, total of 500, you know, assets that you're managing, then you would buy 10 blocks, um, you know, from, from TD Cynics as our current distributor. Um, but we, um, yeah, so that's, that's the, the, the sensors and the agents are no cost. So you can deploy as many of those as you want. It doesn't, it's, you know, it's, we, we don't charge that way. But the way we price it is that it's kind of, Pay as you go, and as you hit pricing tiers, and the price per asset drops, um, and it's flexible up and down. So you know we're we we didn't want to do an all you can eat because it's sort of I don't know it's just it's hard to track it, hard to manage it um, in in for both us and the MSPs in terms of you know per customer charge. And it's like and that's where we you know sort of worked with with Gradient and their integration where, you know, again, those 10 customers and one's using 22, another's using 44, another's using 66. Those numbers go into the grading tool so the MSP can really clarify what their cost is, you know, what their cost is per customer, right, of our products as well as others. Okay. So it's like a multi, like there's a multi-use to it, right? I mean, it almost yeah. works as like partial RMM discovery at style tool and then you know, like this vulnerability, you know, kind of update, you know, kind of, hey, here's what we see, here's what you need to know, you know, angle, and then, you know, you know, you know penetration testing light, right? So like, you kind of package all of that together. And it's like, a, maybe like security kind of approach to, hey, this is, 
you know, this is what you have. This is what we're looking at. Here's what, you know, here's what we're managing. And it can be used in a prospective way and it can be used in an ongoing way. Yeah. Yeah. We've, and we've got, you know, we've got some MSPs that, you know, have a, if you will, a 10 point security stack, right. And this is one of their points, right. So, and they don't, they don't sell that whole stack without, I mean, they don't sell piecemeal, right. It's, it's an all or nothing kind of package and other folks, you know, have, Three things they do, and this is the fourth. That's a, that's an option. So it's 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 a flexible enough tool that way that they can you know build it build it as they need it. No, it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, got a couple guys that jumped onto the call today. Brian, yeah. Bruce, and Darren, welcome. How's everyone doing today? Darren, I, I just I grabbed my finally yeah, yeah, the other day on Tuesday I got handed a box of Popeyes instead of Chick Fil A. I kind of like raised my eyebrow. I said, well, I got to do what I got to do. And then today with Chick-fil-A, we fixed that. Delicious. I, I just fin- I just finished my Chick-fil-A breakfast, actually. I uh, <laughs> literally, I, you know, I got enough to last for a while. So I got, yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You always like to buy enough for a couple of days. I, I usually buy enough for two days, you know, just in case. But but then I finished it in one day. So, you know, anyway. Well, so, yeah. so, Darren, you must be on the on the West Coast if you're still thinking and talking breakfast. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of, uh, kind of, yeah. At the moment, I am. Yes, uh, it's uh, it's Chick Fil A is good any time of the day, but yes, their breakfast That's is particularly true. under underappreciated. I will say <laughs> the biscuits are hard to beat. I feel like Chick Fil A is experimenting with different things in different areas. Darren, did you? You're not one of the areas where they're doing the actual chicken wings now, are you? No, no, that no, not. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. But how can I you really it. eat? You can't really beat those nuggets. I mean, I'm sorry. The wing is not going to ever be as satisfying. But this I is- mean, but apparently it's going well. There might be there might be finally they might be getting close to going going the whole way. Every every location. Yeah. Nothing like those nuggets down in uh, Orlando. That was the best. You, 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 you say that it was completely different, man. They were different. I don't know why. Anyway. <laughs> right. okay. Was that your main food at one of the last uh, shindigs? No, uh, not quite, but there's, I feel there's... like we just eat Chick-fil-A every day. And no. so it's just an natural... <laughs> so, so, so Dar- Darren has like, I don't know, I don't know about double the points, but like 40%, maybe 35% more points than I do. And then we have, an- and then I, we ran into another guy, JP out of uh, Fort, Fort Worth, who has even like another 30, 40,000 more than Darren does. So I was like, oh, we'll we're see. not the only ones out there eating chicken. All right. 107 now. I'm I'm headed headed towards 150 by the end of okay. the quarter. All right, you wow. I love how we're projecting Chick-fil-A points instead. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a it's a backup plan if if I could have, you know, one sandwich every other day for a year if that's if it came down to I'd be, you know, be okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got you. Now you're all booked up. We're going to see you at Datto, yeah? I Datto, yeah. I, I just in fact, I just got an email literally that they yeah, so do you want to bring you know, bring somebody else on your staff. I said, no, no, I don't think so. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're trying to make sure people show up, man. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, so you came in a little bit late, Darren. We're talking to Frank here uh, from yep. Nodeware. Have you ever heard of Nodeware before? I, I have heard of them, and I, I digress. I have to grab this. I'll, I'll be back. Okay, you'll come back. That's all right. We'll, we'll grab well, it. Good. 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 You've heard of us. <laughs> that's good. Well, I mean, listen, I'm sure you're you're out there doing events somewhere. Yeah, no, we've been doing, uh, we did a number of the ASCII events early this year. We've done Channel Pro last week or last month now in Charlotte, and we'll be next week in Dulles, Virginia. Um, and then I'll be 
one of our integration partners that we talked about the, on the integration side is Talk Soder. Um, they've integrated oh, yeah. in Nodeware into their, they're always on uh, vulnerability scanner is, is actually Nodeware's product. So we're partnering with them at the event. So I'll, I'll be there, but without a booth. So if anybody's, uh, anybody listening is going to be at DattoCon, uh, love to, love to see you and talk to you. And hear, yeah. You know. It's, it's, it's like, you know, we went two years without a DattoCon. So like everybody's, you know, kind of itching, but then of yeah. course there's the big, what are the, what is big Fred going to say? You know, now that yeah. this Datto uh, Kase merger has, uh, has come through. So yeah, it, that'll, that'll be a well-attended uh, general session. I'm sure. Oh, I mean, listen, uh, I know that they announced it at uh, the Kaseya's, you know, native conference in, in Vegas. Right. Uh, but, you know, I think now that now that this is the actual data event, which I believe they also took Glue X or used to be the IT Glue conference and kind of put it together here. Oh, have they combined that? Yeah. Okay. So, glue, so glue, I think Glue X was scheduled for October in Miami. And they've now connected, you know, it's all wrapped up now into DataCon. So okay. putting all the chips into the bat into the middle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it should be hey. should be very intriguing. Yeah. Hey George, one of the other things I just was thinking about that is interesting to in the mix here that that I wanted to call out is that um, as an MSP dealing with either cyber insurance, right, for their customers or themselves, for um, you know anybody that's working on HIPAA and, and any other compliance and auditing, I mean, there's types a of lot customers, of that. Yeah. right? The the you know that all kind of wraps around back to what we provide in terms of the co- continuous scanning, right? One of the requirements, we you know, if you, if anybody's dealing with car dealerships today, there's a new compliance for anybody actually dealing with home loans or consumer loans, is uh, the new FTC requirement as part of the GLBA. December 9th, if a dealer doesn't have these, uh, you know, MFA, continuous scanning, uh, and a number of other um, uh, technical requirements, as well as other compliance requirements, they're going to, they, they're subject to $10,000 per instance fines. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Rewind. Rewind. Yeah. So this is a new law that took place when? Well, it's, it's been, it, Takes effect December 9th is the last day that the, the the car dealerships have to be in compliance. And this is a federal law. So mm-hmm. across the board. So basically to do anything with loans, right? Loan processing, loan applications. You know, our RV dealers, boat dealers, car dealers is the kind of the big, the big, the big hit. Um, they've been subject to this GLBA for a while, right? And it's kind of the basic uh, basic requirements. The new FTC requirements is regarding, if you think about it, right? At a car dealership, how much information they're gathering from you. They have to, it all. Uh, they have loans, security. They back and forth, everything, right? And so what, what, they're, what they're protecting is you and I, right? Um, with this new requirement, but from a business opportunity, the, the car dealerships need to, you know, put it bluntly, they need to spend some money. Right. I mean, they 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 are not anywhere close to this requirements because they're, you know, they're they're a low margin business for the most part. Right. Except when you get to the service base. But that's a different story. Um, but they um, yeah, they, they are going to be struggling string um, stringently watched and followed for this for this rule. So we're working with some compliance groups. Um, uh, is comply auto and there's there's a number of them that are focused on the overall compliance requirements for dealerships and they're they're looking for MSPs to be able to deliver some of the additional technology pieces like nodeware that provides 
uh, the vulnerability, the MFA elements um, that you know, it's, need to it's be funny. added. I was just talking to a small uh, local financial planning firm, right? They also do, you know, like stock investing recommendations and that kind of stuff. So they kind of have, to, you know, a little bit of everything going on there on the finance side, right? So you can do your investing there. They can make recommendations, portfolio, whatever. And so they work with, you know, obviously larger financial trading platforms, right? You know, like Charles mm-hmm. Schwab and those kind of guys, right? And so like, they have this documentation from the, the like the larger company, like, you know, saying, hey, here's your here's your cybersecurity, you know, requirements effectively. Right. Like, you know, you have to be able to archive client communication. And, and, and actually part of that document actually goes through continuous scanning and uh, being, being able to actually prove that you've been doing it the, t- the whole time so that you, you know, didn't just wait for a problem to happen. You've actually had some, it's like the alarm on your house, yeah. right? You, didn't, yeah. you know, you had it so that when the break-in happened, you know, like, you know, you're kind of yeah. ahead of it. Yeah. So, you, you need to, again, you need to prove back to the insurance company or to whoever the, the auditors that you were doing this. And that's one of the things we provide in with uh, our reports, right? So you can schedule a report just as every, every day I want this whole network report. You're never going to read every one of them, but you've got them, right? You archive them. Or you can, you know, you're going into customer meeting or an audit in the afternoon, you can, uh, you know, hit report and, you know, within a minute, you've got an updated report, uh, either an executive summary level or a full full meal deal. Um, but that's, I mean, so, so that's, that's kind of big, because if it almost seems like, obviously, this is very focused at financial and the car dealerships. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb to say that, you know, the insurance carriers have already said, if you're not doing MFA, some have just said, you're going to discontinue coverage, right? Like, we're just not going to, yeah. we're going to take you. And now, like, I feel like this could be something, it would be huge if they do it. But if they go down the line of, hey, you have to have some sort of continuous model, that that flips the script quite a bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the, the difference, you know, like the requirements before might have been, you know, you need to have an, an annual penetration test or a you know, a, a checklist of a vulnerability management scanner or an exterior, you know, certain different, different pieces, but the once a month, once a year, just isn't, you know, it's just, you, you, we all know, right. There's too many things going on, too many new environments, new actors, um, just trying, trying everything they can. Um, so, yeah, so that's, so that, that, that kind of compliance is an area that, you know, again, we, we provide, you know, we, again, we're, we're a focused tool. We don't provide everything in there, but we are working with a number of these um, compliance companies that if people are interested, uh, you'll provide my contact information. They can let us know and we can hook you up with some of these companies because they're looking, you know, they, the compliance companies don't know technology, right? They maybe know a basic piece or a couple of things, but they don't know how necessarily to implement an MFA or to put in Nodeware or some of the other pieces. So, um you know, it's a big opportunity. If you've got a car dealership in your customer base, you need to be, you know, talking to them right away about what they're doing for the FTC requirements of DLBA. Well, that's awesome. That I, I, I had heard something about this and it never had it. Like I never went back to figure out what the deal was. Now we know, right? Like this thing's coming down this, you know, that's, it's pretty yeah. good. Pretty three, good three, months, three months away. So it's, it's, yeah. uh, you know, Unless some things Tesla. can happen fast. Unless you're Tesla, when you just sell your cars to direct, right? So, yeah, yeah, but their their local locations still need it. But that's that's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's good. That's good information. And then, 
I wonder, you know, because the bar is kind of low for everyone else, right? There's other regulated industries, HIPAA is one, medical, and there's, you know, SOCs and all the, you know, there's a bunch of different, like, depending on industry, there's CMMC for the government contractor, so on and so forth. Um, I wonder if, because we've heard now several times where people have gotten, they didn't just fill out the one page and then just waited for the premium. They actually either talk to the, the, the actual bean counter behind the agent, or um, they sent in additional documentation attached to their, their questionnaire, or they actually got on the phone. I had one company, Red Key Solutions, this is a genius idea. They called in and said, I want to know what happens if I report uh, an incident. So they like, connected him to the incident response people who then connected, like basically he started to figure out who are the people that the insurance company sends in after mm. something happens, right? And start realizing what they look for, how they work. They started working backwards from that whole process and then changed their entire, you know, kind of procedure and process around how that works. And I was like, wow, I, you know, you go to, re- you know, now you go to yeah. redo the next year's premium. And like, now, like you're already ahead of the game, big, big, big. So. Yeah. Be- those, and those, those, those requirements, right. Are, are fairly well, you know, identified out if you can ask for it. I mean, if somebody, if one of your customers is going to just apply for insurance, right. They're going to get turned away pretty quickly because they're not prepared for the data that needs to be done. But so you got, yeah, you got to, you got to get ahead of that. Um, you know, interestingly, sort of you're, you're sort of being smart about, um, you know, an incident, like just say an incident response plan, right? Um, I was listening to um, Dave Sobel's MSP radio the other day, and he had a bonus issue with an FBI agent um, that was talking about, you know, what happens, you know, what should, if, if your customer is, you know, attacked, you get a call at three in the morning and, you know, hey, what do I do? And who do you call? When do you call the FBI? And, and you know, you call them as soon as you can, right? I mean, it, you know, some some internal legal counsels may don't want you to call because then it sort of becomes public information. But anyway, there's there's a plan there. If you're not if you're not familiar with your FBI authorities in your local markets, you know, make a make an appointment, go in and talk to them, at least understand what resources they have and what should be a process. But the really interesting piece of the the discussion that I thought would be relevant here is is that you know, a lot of companies, well, I don't know about the percentage, but let's just say a good number of MSPs have an incident response plan for their customers. Maybe, maybe the customer end user does themselves, but have they ever really sort of implemented it, right? Or done a test run or, okay, so what if, if this, ha- you know, what, what is the sequence of events? Um, but, the, you know, the incident response plans are going to probably, if they're not already, they're probably going to be a requirement for this insurance checklist, right? So, you know, be getting smart about it because it's, it's, you know, I was, I was on something last week with an insurance company and I kind of said bluntly, I said, you know, insurance companies, yeah, they like your premiums, but they don't like to pay out, you know, things, but yeah, they, they I mean, they'll, they'll spin it their own way, but you know, as a consumer, that's kind of way, the way you feel. Right. And so they, you know, but you look at their conditions for payouts, right. And what are the, what are the clauses that exempt them from having to pay out? And so that, those are the things you need to pay attention to, um, you know, as you're working with your end users on, you know, hey, we're preparing for this. These are the things that we need to do now. And these are the things we need to do go ongoing. And, you know, the insurance companies, the first things they're going to look for is the things that give them exemptions. So, you know. I, I, I could, well, I, 
I would think it's a your worst nightmare when you have an incident, you think you're covered, you know, your insurance policies like that safety net, and the some guy comes through with a copy of the questionnaire <laughs> that you filled out and was like, mm, uh, yeah, you're not going to be covered for this incident. And you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's well, not- yeah, and, and, and there's two there's two plays of, of not covered, right? There's the, the end user's coverage, and then there's the MSP's coverage, right? And what they doing. So like Fred Advice, um, one of our integration partners has got a, they're doing a breach prevention platform, right? That is kind of a uh, enabling sort of identification and managing on the front end, which is uses our stuff. And then they have some training, but then they also have some uh, liability insurance through Cyurance that enables the MSP to be covered for their out-of-pocket play, right? And their 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 coverage. And again, I'm probably misspeaking a little bit, but it's something worth looking into. Uh, and one of our one of our announcements uh, that I mentioned coming tomorrow will we'll cover some of that insurance play. Yep. No, that's that's awesome. And we've seen threat advice out in the channel. Sorry, yeah. I forgot to put my phone on mute. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, no, I mean, listen, it just, it's a constantly growing situation, right? I mean, and like, it's interesting how many people you're already working with, right? That are a little bit channel focused, which is great because, you know, it's a small sandbox and like, obviously everyone's trying to understand what, what works and what doesn't and at what cost. And, you know, it's a little bit, you know, let me throw this one at you. Um, You know, there, there's this, you know, MSP versus MSSP. You know, like I know this is just marketing terms because the word MSP is a marketing term by itself, but <laughs> it's a little bit worrisome, right? Because we've heard in the past where people have said, well, hey, I'm not really an MSSP, right? I don't have threat hunters and I don't have my, my 24-7 guys with five screens trying to look at every, you know, like, you know, anonymous log entry or whatever, right? Like I'm an MSP, I'm security focused. I want to make sure my cover, my customers are covered. So like- there's this kind of line in the sand, right? Because if you over market what you're trying to sell, or if you misposition what the, 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 the actual conversation is, you know, you kind of open yourself up to liability as a service provider. Like what's your opinion right. on that story? Yeah, no, it, that's, it, it, you're right. And it is a fine line there that, um, you know, again, people are calling themselves adding the S just because, you know, they've sold a security product before. Um yeah, it's it's a fine line. We you know, we we kind of look at the adding the S is almost sort of a real. It's it's a you know it's sort of the sock level, right? It's sort of adding other operational pieces that um, that are needed. So you know, again, I, I'm not an expert on the distinction. I just know that that people are um, you know add, adding you know adding Nodeware to, to an MSP business does not make you an MSSP. Um, uh, you know, be honest, right? We, it, it's kind of on the path, but there are other companies like Sock Soder and you know uh, other socks that are out there that are more providing that that full level of managed security. Um, you know, enabling you know if if you're, you're an MSP, you you don't need to be all that expert yourself, right? There there are tools there that you can utilize and you know um, at complement what you're already doing, and you know they have the call centers, they have the you know, the 24 hour knocks and socks and, you know, be able to support you um, down the line. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, everybody kind of needs to be realistic about what their business is. And, you know, we, we, we're, you know, we're trying to be realistic in what we're providing and right. We're not, we, we don't want to be the be all end all tool. Right. But we want to enable 
tools that are out there that an MSP can kind of not have to choose, you know, between 20 different pieces, right? And try to make up their mind, right? We want to, you know, fit where the people are buying and MSPs have, a, you know, as we said before, got a lot of choice, right? Um, 100%. A lot of choice, but a lot of vendors to manage too. And yeah. I think that's one of the, I think chronic problems actually in the sandbox is yeah. it's like 40 vendors, 50 vendors. And like, do you actually have time to actually stay up with all of the, it's almost as yeah. bad as the end user, like technology is, you know, kind of changing so quickly. The end user doesn't have time. I mean, even the internal IT guy doesn't have time to stay up on it. Right. Like to the, yeah. on the MSP side, there's a lot of vendors that you're using. Right. And like, are how, how frequently are you actually up to date on what's going on until, you know, there's a problem. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, um, there's definitely that problem there. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go through. Yeah. I'm sure Darren will come back when he's done, you know, taking whatever phone call he got and eat some more <laughs> chicken there. But uh, some, let's go through some current events uh, as I like to pop in and, you know, see what's going on. So yeah. this was the one that came out overnight. So if you're a ConnectWise shop and you're using ConnectWise Manage uh, or Autotask PSA or ConnectWise Sell, which is a quoting tool. Uh, ConnectWise has acquired Ysync. Hmm. Uh, actually, a good friend of mine, Paul, uh, who started the company out of Australia. So uh, congratulations, Paul and team. Very excited for you. Congratulations. Uh, but uh, effectively, ConnectWise you know, scoops up another vendor here. Uh, and then they've done you know, many acquisitions over the year. Uh, but basically, here are you know, all of the integrations, right? Uh, Cloud hmm. Radio, Desk Director, Envirosoft, et cetera. Um, it's cool. I wonder if this one overlaps with QuoteWorks then. Uh, I would, I think they integrate with QuoteWorks, right? So they won't, they won't, they're not actually a quoting tool. They're a payment automation gateway. Okay. So like if you send your QuoteWork, um, you know, proposal, right. And you go to their webpage and then you go to hit pay, you know, accept, it can go to WisePay to actually accept payment. And then what they do is they go back and they actually, you know, um, go into your system and mark that as paid. And then it syncs back to your accounting system. It's actually mm -hmm. a cool, cool application. Yeah. So they, you know, so why sync and wise pay? You know, so this was uh, literally, I think there uh, is an event happening right now in Australia. It's IT Nation Connect APAC or, you know, oh. uh, it's called IT Nation Australia. But uh, they're down there right now. They're having that regional conference. They announced this. Um very cool. uh, and, and, very, and congratulations to them. Yeah. Here's another one that came out. I thought this was. I'm not yeah, to, I saw that last I'm night. Not, I'm not. I'm not trying to be political at all. I just. Isn't it just weird that they just announced this law saying that California, I think Virginia, uh, want to go completely no new gas power cars can be sold after like 2035 or something. Yeah, so it's like, Scotland. Scotland's already got that on the books as well. Scotland's going by 2025 or 2030, I think. So, so then, but their power grid, they're basically telling people, hey, we, we don't have enough juice. Can you like not plug your, your car in? It's like, do you tell people well, not to go to the gas station and fill up too? I, I'm missing uh, something. No, they're, they're, they're just saying between 4 and 8 p.m. to not to not charge your car. Okay. It's just, it just seems I weird. Know, it is. <laughs> are, are we pushing people to a, to a, to a mode of transportation that – the system can't accommodate. I mean, oh, yeah. well, I, 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 well, I don't, you know, who, who knows? I don't know if they have enough 
charging stations in rural areas. I mean, the cities, it's fine in parking lots, but, you know, again, that, I know I was in Scotland in June and, and uh, some of my friends there were talking about, you know, the, the rollout and they're, it's great in the cities where you, you know, where there's the grid, but, you know, I'm, you know, Scotland has a lot of country roads and mountains. And what do you do if you're up in the hills and you run short and, you know, it's hundred miles to your next <laughs> charging spot. And I don't know for all you Tesla guys out there. And uh, I mean, tell I, us how you're dealing with that. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I would be curious to see what you think about this one. I know uh, hybrid, obviously, at least you have both options, but I, yeah. I digress. Yeah. Um, so how about this one? I, you know, around the same thing. Batteries made from crab shells could oh, power your future car. You believe that? Oh no, but I'll I'll help contribute. I love Dungeness crab. I'll eat crab all the help to help charge my cars. <laughs> I saw this. I was like, really? Like, forget cobalt and all the other stuff. That There's some some make. particular um, chemical in there or some compound yeah, for in example, the shell. Probably probably widely using lithium-ion batteries. Um, takes hundreds or thousands of years to degrade and add to the environment. So basically there's some sort of electrolyte <laughs> found in crab shells. So like whatever you don't, you throw away after you eat your dinner, right? They want to use that to make batteries. Hey, it sounds good to me if they can yeah. make it work. But uh, you, you remember back in the day where, I mean, I had, I had multiple Volkswagen diesel, you know, Jetta diesels. Mm -hmm. you know, diesel gate by the way and uh you know people used to like if they i, don't, I guess i had a lot of time people used to go and like connect you know you know get all the old french fry oil from all the places around you and then they oh, would right. make their own diesel right biodiesel um and i was like man you, you drive and it smells like french fries you know what i mean like <laughs> i hope that you're driving and it doesn't smell like crap you know just just saying yeah could be, could uh, be if it's in the battery maybe it maybe it's in the battery and it's in case so you're probably okay on that one Okay. All right. Well, we're moving right along. Uh, this one, <laughs> did you know you can sue spammers? This guy got $1,200 without a lawyer. How to fight back against unwanted texts and calls. Oh, I think that's one right? worth, uh, worth noticing. So I guess uh, I didn't read the whole article here, but basically he sued this guy, I guess, in small claims court and they settled with him. And he got a twelve hundred dollar check for somebody that was calling over and over again. Yeah, I, I I've got one that calls. Uh, the president haven't called during the call. They usually between nine and ten o'clock my time. They they dial my uh, my old house line and uh, yeah, I have wow. to. Uh, I, I I guess he must have found a company that was domestic. Because, well, that's the hard part is who's 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 behind the call. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're somebody's calling you from like I don't know China or some other country, like I don't know how you're gonna do that. But apparently, it's the law, federal law. Seem to be popping up all over the place, these little federal laws, but prohibits unsolicited calls made to cell phones using automatic telephone dialing systems or artificial pre-recorded robo-dials. So mm. obviously this must have come out after all the, hey, your used car warranty is up for renewal. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's why I haven't got so many of those calls lately. <laughs> yeah, so obligated to pay $500 per violation or $1,500 each time they willingly or no full violate the act. Okay. All right. Good there to you know. Go. So you apparently you can just take yeah you know, take these people to court and just use this federal law and you might get might get a this guy got a twelve hundred dollar check I mean that's not bad you can catch him yeah how many phone calls it's been they blocked out the company name so that we can't use it and all go after the same one yeah <laughs> we could just like get a bulk deal right 
Uh, I thought this was intriguing, right? With everybody going to cloud, cloud, cloud. This article from InfoWorld was like, hey, here's three reasons why cloud computing doesn't save you money. I'm sure this guy's getting a lot of clicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, here you go. First, there's little or no monitoring. See that, Frank? Little or no monitoring. Why? They, and then know. it says, there's no discipline or accountability. Well, I'm sure, you know, all the auto scaling starts to rack up. You don't even know what you're getting billed until the bill shows up. And then, you know, you're bald like me and you, Frank. Yeah. And then third, businesses can't or won't optimize cloud resources. Basically, they're running dirty. Yeah. Like my old diesel Jetta used to, apparently. Yeah. So, uh, they, yeah, they, interesting. Um, you know, the, I, I've heard from, you know, the, as you were sort of saying, the bills that come with surprises or the bills that, um, you know, you, you decide you want to downscale or you don't need the, you know, what you signed up for or, you know, you want to switch the data. I mean, just, the, you know, the, the charges that come from, you know, the other sort of the ancillary charges, if you will, or the, you know, transfer charges of data or services. And um, that's, a, that's an interesting play. I, I kind of always had, had been sort of seeing or hearing a little bit more of folks sort of, you know, there was the, there was the, you know, there was a all on-prem, oh, there's this great cloud and people kind of started with, you know, kind of a hybrid on-prem and then, um, and cloud. And then a lot of people, more people have gone fully to the cloud. I've actually kind of heard a bit of the kind of coming back to on-prem for certain, certain functions, right? Again, some of these costs that you, you know, yeah, <laughs> some, some, I mean, listen, some elements. There, there is a point, there is a point where, you know, like I love when you you actually can get somebody from Amazon or Google or 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 even Microsoft on the line distribution, whatever. And you're like, hey, uh, when do I get a discount? And then the response is, well, hey, when when you're like big like Netflix, let us know. Yeah. And it's like, uh, but there there is there is a diminishing returns point, right? Because if you get to yeah. a certain size bulk of the amount of data in one of these public cloud providers, it does go the other way. Yeah. Yeah, but so. getting getting there and and but I, you know again I think I think there's some value and I don't know where the where the price where the point is but I just heard a bit more of companies sort of pulling back a little bit off their cloud commitment if you will and putting a little bit more on prem and maybe it's a storage maybe it's a little bit more compute power compute power centrally in the you know the database play and then you know other pieces out there so you know cloud's clearly not going away but I think there is some efficiency models that need to be you know continued to do to be developed but that way 100 so speaking about cloud earlier in the week on tuesday's call we talked about hey is microsoft finally listening and making changes to like for the better and then you hear amazon and google slam right microsoft's most recent uh computing changes so apparently as the story unfolds a little bit more microsoft made all these licensing changes right. apparently because the eu uh, kind of push back, right? Like apparently they were antitrust. This happens from time to time for many different reasons. Uh, and basically my, uh, Amazon and Google said that Microsoft is now doubling down on the same harmful practices by implementing even more restrictions in an unfair attempt to limit competition. Rather than listening to its customers and restoring fair li software licensing in the cloud for everyone. Um, you know, so in a nutshell, he says, Promise of cloud is flexible, elastic computing without contractual lock-ins. Customers should be able to freely move across platforms and choose their technology that works best for them rather than what works best for Microsoft. Uh, 
I mean, I, 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 I can't really argue Sorry. with that sentence, actually. No, but it, but it's also I again I don't know the space that well, but it may be also the kettle calling, you know the what is the what is the phrase the kettle calling the kettle pot, pot calling, calling the, the kettle, kettle black. black. Yeah. <laughs> so it says Amazon, Google, Alibaba, Microsoft's own cloud services will be excluded from deals. Microsoft move came after smaller European Union competitors took their grievances and its cloud service practice the EU antitrust. So in a nutshell, some this change is taking for place in October 1st. Says Microsoft says it will make it easier for cloud providers to become uh, for cloud providers to compete. And then you go down here and it says, no, actually they think it's the reverse. It's actually making it harder to do business based on how Microsoft's licensing thing. So I guess if you go to Azure, you get certain things that are just baked into the Azure subscription. Uh, yeah. You're trying to take Microsoft products and park them in other clouds, right? Okay. Uh, that, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. We heard from Nick Hetty from Pax8, apparently at Exchange in Denver, that all these changes were coming for the better in October to help Microsoft partners kind of unreal from NCE, which was indefinitely on hold, by the way, for you know legacy subscribers, uh, which was interesting. But uh, we'll see. We will no. see. This Any, next anything, one. I, oh, I was just going to ask if there's anything happening in the VoIP world that's irrelevant, but go ahead I on mean, this. The VoIP world is a constantly moving target, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that on another day. This one was interesting. <laughs> Said so the nation's fastest community wide internet, 25 gig service, launches as $1,500 per month. I, I'm not sure. I mean, a business might pay for it. That sounds cool. But like, I don't know if somebody working at home is going to pay for $1,500 a month internet. No. No, would they ever fifteen hundred a month? Holy mackerel! Here you go, twenty-five gig, fifteen hundred. I, I, who 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 would need that speed at their home? That's a good question. I mean, <laughs> I, I would argue. Like I'm thinking about, it, I was like, if I just got twenty-five like Verizon FiOS accounts at one gig, <laughs> would I be paying more or less than fifteen hundred? Probably more. I'll, I'll admit that. But like again. This is, has to definitely be a business service, right? Yeah. Uh, and you're starting to see this, by the way. You know, there's Google Fiber and Comcast and everybody else. You know, the, these municipalities are starting to become their own internet providers. Yeah. Well, it makes sense uh, for them, right? Trying, I mean, like, democratize, <laughs> democratize the internet. Yeah. Um, man, $1,000 per month for residents. I, I don't see anybody doing that. No. I mean, unless you're running five businesses out of your residence and each need, <laughs> you got a lot of demand. You're running your own little data center in there. Yeah, 25. I think I, I think one gig's good. Like I can, that's not, that's, that's good. Uh, and like, as they bring the price down, but 25 gigs and you know, this fiber, they can just like turn the screws and all of a sudden, and you know, you know, more juices available. So um, I digress. Last yeah. one I had for everyone. What uh, we got to. I think it's for an apartment community. Ah, maybe you're right. I didn't read it all the way. Well, so if, if the apartment community splits the 1500 uh, and everybody just pays their little piece, that would make sense. I'm yeah, down for yeah. that because then your your bill could be like 20 bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah. And I everybody's guess, got until, until everybody's playing Xbox at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last one I had, because we mentioned SpaceX earlier because they did a deal with T-Mobile. Um you know, for, for coverage, right? So now if you're on T-Mobile and you have a new enough phone, you can piggyback off the SpaceX coverage in gaps where T-Mobile isn't, isn't strong. So now Royal wow. Caribbean's the next person to, next company to go to SpaceX and say, 
hey, we're, we're going to use you as our provider, right? So oh, um, looks like they're starting to get a little sticky, right? And like we always complain about planes, right? And how slow internet on planes was for the longest time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this may change the game, guys. So not that I've been on a cruise recently and I don't know who has, but um, definitely need internet. Yeah. No question, right? Okay. So. Vacation, yeah, it used to be a vacation to get away, and that, that's harder and harder to do. And sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So some real interesting, some real interesting news out there. So you know, listen, technology is always changing, right? Hopefully for the better. But as you see, every time something good comes out, somebody can abuse it too. So yeah, absolutely, you just got to be a little bit careful. But that just comes back to. You know, following the industry and staying a little bit ahead of things so that you don't wait until the shoe drops. And you mentioned, Frank, earlier in the call that, you know, you're running in the MSPs that really haven't adopted a security direction yet, if that's the right phrasing. Um, yeah, you know, we, we tend to call a little bit more of a cyber hygiene program, right? If they're starting from kind of nowhere, if you will, but, you know, sort of both internally and to their customers, the hygiene is you know, kind of the place to start, right? Thinking from that perspective, a little bit yeah. more people more used to that. No, I, I really, I really think that, uh, you know, it's important that people continue to understand what's going on out there and ultimately make sure that they have their ducks in a row. Right. I mean, yeah. either you're going to wait for a bad thing to happen. You're going to wait for your customer to come and call you instead of you calling them. You're going to wait for the insurance premium to be so outrageous that you got to do something different about it. It's going to be like, or maybe there's a, a, a fourth or fifth option. You're going to be forced to do it. So, um, yeah. I, well, I, and, I, you know, speaking of, speaking on insurance, right? There are there are a couple other um, data stream uh, insurance in particular is one sort of very MSP focused uh, enabler for insurance policies to MSPs and their customers. Um, we're working with them on some integration plays as well, but they, they've got a specific MSP program to people are wanting to kind of take a look and, you know, again, the insurance agents, the insurance industry is so licensed and sort of regulated that you, you know, you can't start offering policies yourself, but you can more easily get access to tools and, and uh, make some potential money on referrals from it. And actually, I think they even have a specific term that they use. Um, because they can't say commissions or I don't know. There's one no, of those I don't, things. I don't think making money on referrals is something uh, that's not a good idea. I think, I think, uh, but I've heard good things about data stream, but I think there are, uh, yeah, there are very strict regulations about, uh, yeah. Yeah, about exactly. that. Yeah. 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 Welcome back, Darren, by the way. I've been, no, I've been back. It just, you know, I, I, was listening, I was listening to my recent events news. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate you, Frank, for coming on, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And, you know, again, we're, we're getting closer and closer to some of these big events coming up here. In, yeah, you know, see you in D.C. So going to see you definitely in D.C., Frank and Darren. We'll see Darren, too. So yes. We'll do more shop there. Uh, I'm, I'm pumped. I can't wait. I'm going to wear my maybe my Phillies gear just because, you know, I can't <laughs> wait. Who are they playing that night, by the way? Do you know? Uh, actually, Washington's away uh, that, you know, while we're at Datacon. So that's why we're able to rent the stadium. Oh, okay. I thought there was actual game on. No, we're now I'm happy that we're it wasn't a game or else we'd have to find somewhere else to do it. But <laughs> yeah, no, very, very excited for this. Guys, this session was recorded. We're gonna post it online at msbinitiative.com under sessions. Please come back Tuesdays and Thursdays, one o'clock Eastern time. Hope to see you out on the road, face to face and not behind the screen. Frank, see you there, my friend.
See you soon. Take care. Take it easy, everyone.